When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Yes, indeed. Happy July 6th, everybody. It is Thursday. Getting ready for the weekend already. Uh, nice short week, thanks to the 4th of July holiday. Getting into... Around the NFC South this hour, we're going to be checking in with all the teams, Falcons, Panthers, but up first, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Buccaneers insider for PewterPirates.com, Roy Cummings, joins us now. Thank you so much for the time, Roy. How you been doing? Oh, I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing great. It's a new era in Tampa Bay. The Tom Brady time is over, uh, and a lot of folks are expecting the Buccaneers to take this massive step back in the NFC, in the division, and just wondering the overall feel right now around this Tampa Bay squad as we get ready for training camp coming up. Yeah, you know, inside the building, uh, there's really actually, there's a lot of confidence. And uh, it's primarily based on the fact that, you know, a lot of what they had on defense, a lot of the key players there are coming back. And a lot of the weapons on offense are are coming back. Um, Look, you lose Tom Brady, Look, we saw what happened to the Patriots, and that's a that's as you know as solid an organization as you're going to see. Uh, the Buccaneers aren't in much better shape, obviously, than the than the Patriots. Um, probably in a lot worse shape in a lot of ways. So you take out a leader like that, and you can just expect to you know to drop four or five games at least, I think. But there is still a lot of confidence within the, in the building, thinking that you know, look, we weren't just a one man band here. Uh, Tom Brady benefited from the fact that he had uh, very good weapons around him, particularly at the wide receiver spot. Uh, he benefited from the fact that, uh, that the Bucks had a very strong defense that at times uh, was inconsistent, but at times did a great job of taking the ball away, getting off after the quarterback, and has some, you know, some really impressive athletes in the front seven. So uh, you know, that's where the optimism comes from. Also, the fact that the division is kind of up for grabs. I mean, it really is. Right. And uh, I don't think you can say anybody is ahead of anyone else. This used to be the quarterback division. Now those quarterbacks are kind of all over the map and, uh, you know, out, out to pasture. So it's uh, it really is. It's up for grabs. And uh, it could be a 500 division uh, champion next year. And I think the Bucks feel like they can probably play 500 football. You brought up quarterback there, and obviously we – touched on Tom Brady now being gone and it looks like it's Baker Mayfield show in Tampa. Is that the general feel right now that he's going to be the start, the win, the starting job out of camp, or do you expect uh, Kyle Trask to give him a run for his money? Well, I'll say this. If Baker Mayfield can't beat out Kyle Trask, (laughs) then Baker Mayfield is done playing football in the NFL. I, I can't imagine that after, you know, what went on with him last year, bouncing around to three different teams, uh, or four, and uh, you know if he can't, and that's not a knock on Kyle Trask. It's just that Kyle Trask is not ready to to run an NFL team. Um, he's had a couple of years behind Tom Brady. Good for him. That's great. Um, it's nothing like playing. 
Um, doesn't get enough reps in practice. You know, he'll get some more now, but still, uh, I, I still think Baker Mayfield is a is a a top level quarterback. He's at the bottom of that group, in my opinion. Um, is he a franchise quarterback? I don't know. That remains to be seen. But you know, let's not forget Baker Mayfield had some pretty good seasons in Cleveland when he was healthy. Uh, he went to a couple of teams before LA where you know they weren't in much better shape than the team he went to in, in Cleveland. And uh, teams were broken down, getting rid of, you know, their best assets. And uh, he was, you know, kind of forced to, you know, make it all work himself. It won't be too dissimilar in Tampa, but it will be, it'll be a better situation. I think the team he has in Tampa is better than the team he had in Cleveland uh, when he got there and the team that he took to the playoffs. So I think he can, you know, if he's got his head on straight and he plays, you know, to his capabilities, uh, I think he could lead this team, you know, to the division title. I think he's that good. I, I, I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. I think he's got uh, ability. Um, but you know what? Uh, this this league can, can chew you up and spit you out, and uh, he's in the process of getting chewed up, that's for sure. Roy, you kind of talked about confidence in building, and I don't think it gets any more confident than what – I'm sure you heard these words from Carlton Davis and what he said earlier uh, this week where he was talking about anyone, quote-unquote, anyone who feels like we lost Tom and lost something is going to be in for a rude awakening. Uh, Tom is a great addition for us, but obviously it's a team f- sport. Obviously you need components to be successful. We still have those components. He's obviously very confident entering this upcoming season. Is he just like the only one that's vocal about it, or does the team feel that way as well? No, I think he actually, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say he's going to see speaking for the team, but I think he's speaking in general terms of what, you know, the feeling is inside that building. Um, like I said, there's a lot of confidence here, and it, and it stems from the fact that you know, you've, got, you've got some, some notable players uh, on both sides of the ball. You've still got, uh, obviously, you know, you've still got Mike Evans. You still have Chris Godwin on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, you've got a couple of offensive linemen coming back that you, you were missing a year ago. Uh, if Ryan Jensen can turn, return to being Ryan Jensen, he can make some of those young uh, linemen look a lot better and, and, and perform better. Vita Vea is a beast. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they've got some talent there. Devin White, still, he and, he and Levante David are easily the two most, two of the most uh, underrated linebackers in the game. They're as good a pair as there is in the game. And, and then, you know, look, Carlton Davis is one piece of a, of a deep secondary that maybe doesn't have a lot of name notoriety, but boy, oh boy, they can sure get after the ball. If you know, if you don't, if you aren't careful. So uh, I like the secondary, I like the, you know, the spots here and there of talent. If the, if the veterans on this team can uh, play to their capabilities and bring some of the younger guys along uh, again, it, it may take, you know, 14, 15 games for them to find their groove, but in this division, you could probably hang around for 14 or 15 weeks being a 500 team or less and, and still get a chance at winning the division. So I see where Carlton Davis is coming from. I, I think he's, I think he's what he says is basically the, the theme throughout the building. Roy, we've been looking at the veteran free agents that are still on the market and out there. Uh, a little bit of a surprise to see a name like Leonard Fournette and wondering, is there any chance of a reunion or a, a return to Tampa Bay? Or is that ship pretty much sailed as this Rashad White show? I'll tell you what, I would be open to it. If, 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 he, if Leonard Fournette is willing to come back to Tampa, you know, obviously on their terms, and it would right. have to be a, a very interesting, uh, unique contract to get him under the cap. Um, but, you know, look, I think they could use him. Um, I, I know the organization 
as long as Bruce Arians is around, they're not going. They don't want to overpay for a running back, and so they're not going to pay too much. But look, uh, Rashad White is just one step from from being hurt, uh, and and you don't and the, and the, you know let's face it, the depth isn't great. Uh, I, I like Keyshawn Vaughn, but I'm not sure he's in every run every down back. Chase Edmonds, the guy that they picked up in the draft, great. But yeah, if you can get Leonard Fournette back and he can be on board, willing to to help you and, and do what he's done in the past, catch the ball out of the backfield, give you an option. Uh, Run the ball, uh, you know, on every on every three downs. I mean, oh gosh, I absolutely I would bring him in. I I, I think that might be one of those aces up the sleeves that the that the Bucks still uh, are ready to play. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him come back. Talking to Roy Cummings of PewterPirates.com. Charlie, you got something for him? Yeah, Roy, I just want to kind of get your thoughts. I was looking at some of the top available free agents earlier. Is there any kind of positions that you want the team to kind of address before the start of training camp? Personally, I would want to address the offensive line. Um, to me, that's that's the one spot where you've got some issues. Um, look, I, I love Tristan Worse. I love him as a right tackle. I don't know that he's going to be a left tackle. I may be wrong about that 100%. He may end up being an all-pro right left tackle just as he was a right tackle. But I, I don't like the fact that you take a strength and create a weakness by moving a guy to another spot that maybe he's not suited for. If you can find some depth for the for the offensive line, I think that's really where they have to look. I'm not sure how much is left in Ryan Jensen. Um, you know, he had a bit of a year off a year ago because uh, he missed most of the time. But I think at the end of the day, it, um, it the body's just breaking down. And he's he's played a lot of football. He's played hard, uh, and I don't know how much longer he's got. And if he doesn't go long, you know, you know, does Robert Hainsey, is he ready to step in? You know, what, and what have they got behind him? It's, there just isn't much. So, to me, it's about the offensive line because if you can protect Baker Mayfield, well, obviously he's going to be a better quarterback. So, create, you know, protect Baker Mayfield, create those running lanes for the running backs, whoever they may be, uh, that's always going to help you. So I think offensive line is the area they got to look at. And Roy, looking forward, obviously, to training camp starting at the end of this month. Is there a name or two from this Tampa Bay squad that maybe Saints fans don't know about that could be hearing maybe a lot about come these practices now that you know the pads are coming on? Uh, obviously, a lot different than uh, OTAs and minicamp. You know, the Buccaneers have felt very good about their their core of uh, tight ends for a while. Uh, you've probably heard a little bit. I mean, if you're really paying attention, if you're a fantasy guy, you may have somehow heard about K-Dot and oh, yeah. maybe Co-Keft. But I think they really like those guys, and I think they have reason to. I think both of those guys could could be a, could be surprise players for this team um, just because, you know, that's going to be a, a big part of the weaponry. Uh, you, you know, you're going to get – the way this is all setting up now is uh, Mike Evans is going to get double teamed on, on a regular basis. He's probably going to you know lose his cool on it uh, you know three or four times a season and, and end up getting some penalties as a result. So I think you've got to figure out a way, especially in the red zone, to take the pressure off of him, um, you know, and, and put it somewhere else. And I think the place to go is to the unknowns. And to me, that's that's Coke Keith and Kate Otten and and Payne Dunham and see see what these guys can do. I mean, you've got some decent pass catchers there. Uh, who should be getting better because they're in their second, third years in the league now. Um, I think that's an area to look at. Uh, I think the tight end spot could could end up being a strength for these guys. Always great stuff, Roy. Appreciate the time. Be talking to you soon as we get ready for camp. All right, guys. Looking forward to it. That's Thanks, Bucks, Roy. Bucks Insider for PewterPirates.com. Roy Cummings. You can check out his stuff there. We'll be back with more sports talk after the break here on WWL. 
Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Continuing our around the NFC South journey here on Sports Talk, joined by Desmond Johnson, now the host of the Believe and Panthers podcast. Desmond, how have you been doing? Doing good, fellas. How have you guys been this offseason? So far, so good. Getting ready, obviously, for the start of training camp, the end of this month. It's been brutally hot here. Not looking forward to what in, what's in store for us at Saints practices. I don't know how uh, the, it's been as hot there in Carolina. Yeah, we just had a 90-degree day today. Uh, and people were kind of, I remember a couple weeks ago, people were kind of complaining we hadn't had any hot days yet. <laughs> now they all kind of just <laughs> showed up in full force, so... It's been pretty hot and sticky here in the Carolinas as well. Uh, this Panther squad obviously underwent a massive makeover coming into this 2023 season. New head coach uh, trading up for the number one pick in the draft, getting Bryce Young. Uh, right now, today, if you were, you know, had to, to put money on it, would you say Young is starting week one for Carolina? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Young's going to be the day one starter. Um, they kind of played, I wouldn't necessarily say politics with it early yeah. on. They didn't just give it to him, but it was just so apparent that this kid is special that they couldn't hide it from the press longer than really the first couple of weeks of him out there in OTAs. Like, it was just clear that this kid is going to be something different, and uh, I'm kind of glad that they went ahead and announced it before we even got to July. Uh, getting to see some of what you know he had to offer at the OTAs mini camp, uh, just really what stood out to you about Bryce Young with this Panther squad? Uh, honestly, I was thinking about this. The number one thing for me, I was going to say his processing ability because everyone has talked about that. That he processes off the charts. Like hmm. he's just he understands the plays, he understands the different aspects of the routes and where to go with it, and he's asking questions about it. But the more I thought about it, I think the number one takeaway for me so far is that I haven't heard anything bad about Bryce Young. Like, there hasn't been anything in terms of, well, this is something he's going to have to work on or this is something he's going to have to fix. He has come in and literally, there, I haven't seen a single bad thing about him except for maybe like a overthrown pass in OTAs in March or whatever or something to that effect. But nothing glaring, no, no major issues, which you got to understand, guys, here in, in the Carolinas – 
we're not used to that the past three plus years. Like we we were under the the Matt Rule terror reign, and I think we got to a point where we were questioning whether or not we knew what a good quarterback even looked like. And now it's like, oh, okay, you've got this kid in here. If Nick Saban never had an issue with his size, then why should we? And I think once we drafted him and he got out in the field, we kind of saw what Frank Wright and the other guys uh, on this Panthers coaching staff uh, saw in him and why they traded up to get him number one. Desmond, I want to get your thoughts with the team obviously moving up to number one to take Bryce Young. They moved on from DJ Moore, their star wide receiver, and obviously, you know, the Panthers wide receiver group without DJ Moore doesn't look very strong on paper. But what's the early returns from them from OTAs and obviously minicamp? I think that group, that room is going to surprise the NFL this season. Okay. I've, I've heard that. Okay. That's a lot of people have said that to me in terms of you need a number one receiver, uh, people trying to push for them to go out and get DeAndre Hopkins and things of that sort. That wide receiver room is probably the deepest it's been in years uh, in terms of just youth and talent and a mix of experience from Adam Thielen to uh, the rookie Jonathan Mingo that they, they drafted in the second round this year. I will say the breakout candidate out of that group, though, keep an eye on Terrence Marshall Jr. That's a name you guys are probably pretty well familiar with yep, and yeah. playing on that Titan LSU team. Uh, if you look at the offensive standouts in that 2019 LSU team, they're all pretty much doing something in the NFL right now. Terrence Marshall was the third wide receiver on that team and played for the Panthers last year where they didn't really throw the ball the last 12 games of the season. They were averaging like 170 yards on the ground, so they didn't really throw it that much due to the fact they didn't really have a quarterback to throw it with. And uh, Marshall kind of had a little bit of a breakout party last year, but with Bryce Young this year, Terrence Marshall Jr., Jonathan Mingo, and LaVisca Chenault, those are going to be the three guys to keep an eye on with this Panther team. And I think once we get out of the first month, people are going to be kind of looking around like, well, wow, well, maybe this is why they didn't go after DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe they knew what they had in the building. I, I, I trust this coaching staff and their ability to evaluate talent more than any other coaching staff we've ever had in Carolina. So, Desmond, actually, you kind of mentioned a name that I was going to bring up to you uh, with Jonathan Mingo. Is, is that the name outside of Bryce Young in this rookie class that you're most excited for? Yeah, I think so. I mean – Defensively, they, they drafted D.J. Johnson, uh, the, the D.E., and they traded up for him. But, you know, third-round pick, it, it's kind of a hit-or-miss type of situation there. Mingo's in a really good spot. I like his size. Um, him, like I said, him, he's getting into a situation where he's not going to be dependent on immediately to produce. He can kind of move at his own pace. They can they can bring him up the way they want to. Because, again, that wide receiver room is pretty pretty. Uh, pretty deep. I didn't even mention DJ Shark that they signed from Detroit that they, they feel pretty high about, too, as a deep threat. They've, they've got their bases covered, and again, when you've got a Frank Wright and a Jim Caldwell and a, a Deuce Staley and, you know, all these guys with all this NFL experience, they have seen and done everything. I, 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 I sit back and I'm like, I trust these guys, what they are seeing to, this is why they have not made a move to go bring a wide receiver. They are comfortable with what they have. Plus, Hayden Hurst, the tight end they brought in from Baltimore, this offense has the potential to be pretty loaded. And it's going to be all dependent on Bryce Young and how quick he assimilates to the, the playbook. And by all accounts, he's ahead of schedule. Uh, still sticking with this offense, uh, Desmond, just curious. Uh, your take on the running back room, it was kind of surprising to me, at least as team went out, signed a guy like Miles Sanders, but there's still some really decent depth behind him. There is. Chuba Hubbard's still here, um, and he's gotten some run over the past couple of years. We really saw him perform pretty well last year. 
which Steve Wilkes took over as the interim head coach. Uh, I, I, I have a pretty good vibe about Miles Sanders. He's a, he's a three-down back. Uh, they got him pretty cheap, to be honest, and he caught, uh, I think, over 50 catches last year, so he can catch out of the backfield as well. Pretty good blocker in the pass game. Um, the key is to be able to protect Bryce. That's that's the main key, and you want to surround him with enough talent where he felt comfortable. Where he's not, he, he doesn't have the the, the, the jittery feet. But you know, where's it coming from? That type of thing. And by them signing Miles Sanders, so he's got a a, a bell uh, weather running back, keeping Chuba Hubbard, keeping the offensive line coach James Campion, keeping that offensive line intact, adding some pieces in the draft. They've really set it up for success. I would be surprised actually. If this Panthers team is not successful, just from all the things they have done, they have cleared the board and basically started a new chapter in the Carolina Panthers history. You looking at the NFC South um, projected win totals, even in the NFC, I think the Panthers uh, odds makers have them at seven and a half wins uh, on the season. Did you uh, think that was a favorable uh I guess, judgment, or do you think the, you would take the over or under on that, I guess? I'd take the over. Uh, the way the schedule is set up right. and the way the rest of the division is <laughs> right now, like, I think the national media, it's funny to me, the national media always forgets about Carolina, and to a certain degree, the NFC South, but in particular Carolina, unless they're having <laughs> a good year and unless we're already, like, in November. Like, they don't really pay attention to Carolina. They start, say Carolina starts off 6-2 and two or something like that. They're not going to really – they're going to make excuses as to why Carolina is 6-2. and two. When they went 15-1, uh, when they went 15 and one, they were the worst 14-0 and 0 team in NFL history, according to national media. So I'm not really expecting the national media to pick the Panthers to do much of anything. Having said that, looking around the NFC South, why not Carolina in terms of winning more than seven games? They won seven games last year. And that was the most discombobulated season probably in Panthers history. They fired their head coach six games in. They bring in an interim head coach. They keep sw- they don't have a quarterback. They basically had to run the ball 40 times, and they were winning some games. They, were, they almost won the division. Yet for some reason, and the basis of that roster is still here, yet for some reason Carolina's being overlooked. And that's the thing for me covering this team that's unusual because usually something happens and we're like, uh, let's see what happens with this. Don't know about it. That, that's kind of a shot in the dark. But re- ever since they hired Frank Wright, if you look at the moves they have made, they are literally following a plan. Like they told us, Frank Wright came in there with a detailed plan, and that's what got him the job over Steve Wilkes. What we didn't expect was that we were going to see it. Like we were literally watching them implement this plan and just checking off boxes. So to me, it's like, They're doing everything you want your football team to do to build for a successful team. Like, they have literally done everything you can possibly ask for. So, for me, seven is too low. They did seven last year in spite of themselves. I'm expecting them to win 10 or 11 games and win this division. Just looking around the division this year, Atlanta's got some time to kind of – they need another draft or two. Uh, I'm still up in the air about Derek Carr with the Saints. And at Tampa, I don't know what Tampa's going to do. I think they're actually, I think they're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. So I don't even really expect. We Tampa agree with that, yeah. That. <laughs> so, so really, it comes down to Carolina or the Saints. And if you look at the moves Carolina's made this off season compared to what the Saints have done, I'm going to pick Carolina off of what they've done moves wise. Like you just can't deny the aggressiveness that they have had in terms of moving up in the draft, getting certain players 
paying out top dollar for certain coaches. Like, the experience on this team is ridiculous. I, I can't see this team only winning less than seven games. It just doesn't compute to me. Always appreciate the time, Des. You ready for training camp? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, believe in Panthers. I think we're back third week in July. It'll be, I think, the week right before training camp. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to drive down to Rock Hill. It is notorious for being <laughs> super hot around that time of the year, so I might just take it at the house <laughs> and just wait. Um, but myself, uh, Panthers all-time leading rusher, Jonathan Stewart, and uh, Panthers beat writer for Sports Illustrated, Skylar Callahan, uh, we should all be back third week of July um, for Believe in Carolina Panthers season four. Awesome stuff, Desmond. Te- check out his stuff, host of the Believe in Panthers podcast. Desmond Johnson will be talking to you soon, my man. All right, guys. Take it easy. Thanks, Desmond. Coming back with more sports talk on the Oakland Hard Jewelers talking text line. You can give us a call or text 504-260-1870. Back with more sports talk after this on WWL. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Last but not least, going around the NFC South, and we've gotten to the Dirty Birds, Atlanta Falcons. I'm talking to uh, Will McFadden. Uh, you know, Will, the this team and the Saints, they always seem to go back at it uh, every year with the trash talk. Uh, by the way, Will McFadden, writer for Fanaholic, also host of the Believe in Falcons podcast. Sorry about that. Uh, but, yeah, th- this rivalry definitely seems to be one of the best in the NFL. It doesn't even matter records. The fans are always trash-talking. Oh, 100%. And, I mean, that is what has sustained this rivalry for, <laughs> you know, the entirety of its existence, really, right? Like, during the Drew Brees and the Matt Ryan eras it reached kind of a peak in terms of national attention and you think back to some of the classic monday night football games that definitely happened down in the superdome and um for the most part the saints usually ended up on on the better end of those but there were some really classic ones that i remember fondly that the falcons came out on but this is going to be a period here where we could see the on-field play and maybe the overall record of these two teams not necessarily be in sync the way they were for kind of that four or five year stretch where they were not only playing tight games, they were playing tight and meaningful games. So I'm curious if the fan base, you know, can they again in an era where on field success is starting to kind of correlate a little bit more with fan passion around the league I don't think that's true for a fan base like New Orleans. I'm curious to see if the rivalry will sustain this this fervor if the on-field play, you know, is not as high for a three- or four-year period here. Yeah, the big talk, obviously, for the Falcons, at least on our end, coming into, you know, training camp, getting ready this season, what's going on at quarterback? It looks like Desmond Ritter is going to be your trigger man going into the year. But can Tyler Heineke maybe push him for that starting job? I think that's what they would like to see from uh, Taylor Heineke. I think they would like to see him 
seriously give Desmond Ritter a, a run for his money to make sure that he is fully equipped and, and ready going into the season. But all signs right now point to Desmond Ritter being the guy going in. Um, I don't think the expectation is that this is going to be a true competition. Um, they, they have said, you know, and made it clear to uh, Taylor Heineke when they brought him in here, look, you know, we're going to kind of give, give Desmond a shot and we want you in here because you're highly capable in a lot of the areas that we also value, but we want you to know your role. Um, now, that does not mean that they're going to, in any sense of the word, give this job to Desmond Ritter. It just means that they're going to give him that first shot and that he's going to more than likely start at least five games for this team. Like, I would be very, very surprised if he if that does not happen, barring an injury. The reason Taylor Heineke is in here is that they know this is an important year for Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot mm-hmm. as head coach and general manager. But, you know, really just for the belief in, I think, what they're trying to do and what they've had some success in doing so far. So if Desmond Ritter does not work out, I think Taylor Heineke – they have a lot of faith in being able to at least maybe get them into the playoffs in what could be a down year in the division. Well, kind of looking at some preseason odds, I think the Falcons actually surprised a few people, I believe, by taking Bijan Robinson at the eighth overall pick, the running back from Texas. But coming into this season, he is by far the favorite to win NFL Rookie of the Year preseason. But what, what are kind of the thoughts about him early on? What, what were Falcons fans' thoughts when they picked him? Because taking a running back that high is kind of taboo, I guess you could say now, uh, taking him at eighth overall. But he's obviously a very talented back, and he has high expectations entering this upcoming season. Yeah, the fans that I've talked to, and honestly, I continue to talk to them last weekend, weekend before that, just in general conversation about the team, Bijan Robinson is still a main topic, um, not only because he is kind of an exciting player. I think everybody agrees upon that, but there's a real, um, I think, dichotomy in just the player's actual value on a Sunday and the value of a player as we talk about with the draft. We've almost gamified the draft in its own way because we sit here and assign value. And I, I understand that there is actual value in terms of dollars and what a, a, you know, a player, where they're slotted, where they go, and what they're going to make as a rookie. Like I understand that there is real value, but I feel like that's a little bit overblown because if, they, if the Falcons get five Pro Bowl caliber years out of Bijan Robinson, they'll take that and then they'll figure out where to go from there. Whether that means cutting bait and and even if it's three years, like if if they make this offense, if he makes this offense dynamically versatile, which is the goal for him, he is supposed to be, I think, this Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey type of player in San Francisco, just this true kind of knight on the chessboard that can do things in weird ways that allows you to kind of really attack defenses in a plethora of ways, but they also have a lot of different players like that. So the hope is that he's going to not only be kind of the last piece, but also the best piece of the bunch. And I think they feel that that was worth investing in at number eight because of, and Jalen Carter is the big you know asterisk here, but kind of the other options that were available at the time. 
So, Will, I also have another question about an early draft pick that the Falcons used on a skill position player, and that's obviously Kyle Pitts, the fourth overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. He obviously had an incredible breakout rookie season where he went over 1,000 yards, but then his second season he's had some injury issues, uh, obviously the torn AC, or MCL that he had surgery to repair late in the season. It kind of hampered him to only 10 games played last season, but what's kind of the expectations entering his third year? that he will kind of have a combination of, of his first two years. And, you know, we'll put the injury aside for one second. What I mean by that is what the Falcons were offensively in year one was a whole lot different with Matt Ryan under center. They still felt, and remember, Calvin Ridley was supposed to be kind of moving into that number one role there. They envisioned Cordero Patterson as a little bit more of a true hybrid receiver running back. So they felt more optimistic about what they were going to be able to do through the air. And so Kyle Pitts was going to be more of a weapon in that fashion. Going into year two with Marcus Mariota and his running ability, they kind of retooled that offense to really utilize and emphasize the run game. And in that way, they turned Kyle Pitts into a much better run blocker than I personally thought he would be at this point in his career. And so I think that that is where you'll see Arthur Smith say, we felt really good about Kyle Pitts' performance this season. There were some miscues in the passing game, but I I don't think that he's entirely to blame for those. I think the quarterback uh, at times deserves the fair share of the blame as well. So I think that with Desmond Ritter, hopefully you get a little bit more consistent quarterback play and that that allows the Falcons to use Kyle Pitts more in a receiving capacity, and that's where you're going to see, you know, a little bit more of a trend towards that one thousand. And if he plays a full season, the thousand yards should be totally within reach. Um, now it's going to be the little things, you know, how quickly does he get comfortable on that knee? The Falcons say that he's, you know, they're pleased with where he's at at this point in the off season. There, nobody's going to say anything different. <laughs> but I, now it's the little things: the red zone, third down conversions, explosive plays. Can he do those types of kind of elevated offensive things that really take the Falcons kind of to another level? Well, we saw the Saints co-defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, pack his bags, head over to the ATL. Now the full defensive coordinator, now with the Falcons. How big of a job is it for him to turn this D around this year? It is going to start (laughs) up front uh, for him. The Falcons, I have to believe, brought Ryan Nielsen in here to do really one thing, and that is to make this defensive front impactful. For the first time since John Abraham was probably around, uh, and and that is saying something. So the Falcons have have had a front-row seat for what was probably one of the best defensive lines in the NFL over the better part of this last decade in New Orleans and Ryan Nielsen was a major major component in making that happen so first and foremost it's going to start with hey can you make this defensive line a unit that other teams are going to have to game plan for and worry about from Monday on and if he can do that kind of regardless of maybe how things turn out in the back end I think they'll be pleased with at least year one of, of Ryan Nielsen What's going to be interesting, and they brought in a lot of help on the defensive line, you know, one of which was David Onyemata, Hmm. um, Blaise Campbell, (laughs) another one, Bud Dupree, 
they've got Lorenzo Carter, but it's a weird mishmash of bodies. They, they do have these slender outside guys like a Lorenzo Carter and an Arla Bicati, but then they've also got these, you know, bigger kind of Calais Campbell types. They, uh, you know, drafted a, a kid Harrison out of Ohio State who's very similar, the 6'6", you know, kind of big framed body. So I'm going to be really curious to see just how they use all of these guys, but that is where Ryan Nielsen's focus, I have to imagine, is, is going to be early on for this, this defense here in Atlanta. Well, I know it's early on and we still haven't even gotten to training camp just yet, but what's a name that you could kind of project and that Saints fans may not know that they'll be knowing in 2023? Whew, that's a really good question. Um, Yeah, I'm going to have to probably stick on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm going to say Troy Anderson. And that may be a player that the fans already are a little bit familiar with just because when he was drafted, he was kind of viewed as this incredibly freakish specimen. I mean, his, his relative athletic score, I think, is a perfect 10. He ran something like a 4-4-4 at like 256 pounds, and his arms are down to his knee. Like, he is an insanely gifted athlete, and I believe one of his few starts came against the Saints in, in those final four games there. So this may be a player fans are aware of, but – I almost think he's in line for a Caden Ellis type of jump in year two solely because of the increase in opportunity. He really kind of like Desmond Ritter didn't see the field much until late in the season last year, but the Falcons have very, very high hopes that he is going to be able to build the football skills around his physical traits. But again, how many teams have gone broke betting on that exact model to pan out? Um, but the Falcons are going to give him every opportunity to evolve into that type of rangy, athletic middle linebacker who can do a little bit of everything and be one of the best athletic players out there on the field. So whether that works or not, I think fans are going to really know Troy Anderson's name um, come the end of the season. That was great stuff, Will. Definitely always appreciate the time, and we will be getting with you soon, and stay cool at training camp. Will do, guys. Uh, very excited to have football right around the corner. Amen to Thanks, that. Will. will McFadden, writer for the Fanaholic and host of the Believe in Pod, Believe in Falcons podcast. You check out his stuff there. We'll be back with more sports talk after the break, closing things out here on WWL. Wrapping up sports talk and our around the NFC South segment. There was a lot of positivity from those <laughs> opposing teams in the division. And Charlie, I know we're going through some of those odds makers win totals. Uh, what did the rest of the NFC South uh, have? I know the Saints are projected, what, nine and a half wins? Okay, so let's put a bow on this around the NFC South. We'll give our thoughts on the teams that we just heard from, all three guys. So we're going to start where we started off earlier, the Buccaneers over under six and a half wins. I'm definitely taking the under. I will as well. I think I was either Carolina or the Falcons guest that says, you know, they're in for the top overall pick in the draft sweepstakes. I kind of agree there. I think the Buccaneers are going to be either one of the, you know, worst teams in the NFL this coming season. I think 
think they will as well, but I think six isn't far off. I think they're probably like a five and twelve or six and eleven type of team, but I don't see them as like a seven and ten type of team. So yeah, I'm, I'm, see, I had them three or four even. I don't, I don't know if they're gonna. They, they had too much talent. Unless they get a bunch of injuries, like the Saints have dealt with the past couple of years, I still think that they'll win a few games more than they expect to, which is good for the Saints because that means <laughs> they avoid Caleb Williams. All right, right. so we're gonna move on. So we're both going under there. Up next, the Panthers. Our second guess over seven and a half wins. Our Panthers guessed that he expected ten. That seems like a lot. That, I'm, that does seem. I think like the a lot. seven is 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 pretty close. That's a tough number, I right? I might take the over as like maybe an eight and nine type of team, but I don't feel more confident that they're an eight or nine win team than I would if they were a seven or six win team. This one's this one's <laughs> tough for me, Steve. I think that this one's really spot on the money. Seven and a half is a good line. They really the did go a good number there. I agree. Um, for me, it's it's definitely. I guess I'll go over, and just for the sheer fact, I'll I know the, over as well. the problem that the Panthers are for the Saints every year. I know we'd like to think that we'd sweep the NFC South, but it just I don't think it's going to work out that way this year. And yeah, the pesky Panthers, I'll call them, I think they are better than seven and a half wins. I'll also take the over there, and then obviously the Falcons closing it out at eight and a half wins. They have the second highest odds behind the Saints, who are at nine and a half. For, for the Falcons, Steve, once again, eight and a half seems about right. Um, I really like their talent on offense. I don't yeah. know about their defense. If Ryan Nielsen can really turn it around that quickly, I'm smashing the over on this. I think that they could probably be a 10-win team. But because I don't know and I don't I don't really trust their defense, I know they spent a lot of money there. I'm going to take the under here. I'm taking under two for the defensive fact and – I don't know what's going on at quarterback. I don't still have faith in Desmond, Desmond Ritter. Ritter. Yep, we right. shall see. But other than that, tons of weapons. We'll be back with more sports talk tomorrow. It'll be me, Charlie, along with Jeff Nowak. Good night, everybody. Talk to you then. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.